and you know sort of allow that to, to mesh with a beautiful sort of story whether it's an idea or a concept or just um i and i say that i don't know if i've had it because i don't know what it's gonna look like but i know when i get there i'll know what it looks like hello and welcome to architecting in this show we dive into the act of being an architect the people and the stories behind the buildings and the images with our very interconnected international worlds that we live in this show will purposely be local and narrow only focusing on the colorado community of designers my name is adam wagner i'm a denver-based architect i'm married to an architect i have two architecture degrees from kansas state and yale i've worked for firms around the world in Wichita, Kansas City, Rotterdam, New Haven, Mexico City, and now Denver, where I'm at Open Studio Architecture and teach at the University of Colorado, Denver. I really love to be rooted in this, this Colorado community of designers for the last five years and enjoy reaching out and, and engaging and speaking with uh, architects that I appreciate. Um, and now I've decided to broadcast these conversations with the goal of creating a stronger community. So today I get to speak with one of my good friends in this community, Anicia Street. So Anicia grew up in Trinidad and Tobago uh, before moving to South Dakota and attending the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology in Civil Engineering. After this, Anicia received a Master's of Architecture degree from the University of Colorado Denver and worked at H&L Architecture and then Sprocket Design Build, both in Denver. She's also taught at the University of Colorado Denver for over a decade, and this year became a full-time visiting assistant professor. She serves as a faculty advisor for the AIAS and is on the founding team of the Colorado chapter of the National Organization of Minority Architects. So Anicia is a, a good friend and I, has a very interesting story and I'm happy to be able to share it with you. Thanks. Hey, this episode is brought to you in part by Signature Doors and Windows and Modern Denver Magazine. Now onto the show. Hey, Anicia. Hi, Adam. <laughs> How's it going? There we go. I am good. And you? <sighs> good. You know, this is the first Zoom interview I've done. The rest have been like live on Instagram live. And okay. So there's always been this pressure of like people watching you and it's always a little weird to uh, like get it, get it going mm -hmm. for the guest. And then I thought Zoom would be nice and easy and then I messed it up. Oh no. <laughs> but, now we're, but now we're on. So how's it going? Good to see your face. Good to see you too. It seems like such a long time, but then not really but then long again <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i know what is your what does your day look like today um well i have um today's uh thursdays and fridays are my you know research and admin you know my specifically research days and then i have some um administrative tasks you know i sort of do at the end um of that time i've been trying to hold these two days real you know sort of sacred in terms nice. of um you know but you know i'm a i'm a busy body and I uh <laughs> it's hard for me to slow down sometimes but I'm doing much better at it <laughs> I like that so that's going to be that's that that leads us right into our first question of 
if you had a two two word two line bio what who are you in in two lines like like i've heard you say to students what's your concept in in two sentences what, who are you in two sentences yeah um and this is going to be this i i, I love this challenge because i always like to throw everything i throw at my students i like to throw it at myself but <laughs> um knowing myself i would say that um i am a a very sort of dedicated and passionate person in whatever type of endeavor i undertake mm. whether it be teaching architecture teaching dance training models or just even telling a story <laughs> that is who i am nice this, this is so good i like you know so far we've had just like some architect architects on here and like dinia said I have no other hobbies. I have no, nothing else. I have no other hobbies, me, myself. And now it's, I'm glad to get somebody, bring some diversity on here of, <laughs> of, of at least uh, interest. So, so how did, how did you get there? So what was that first line? You said you are, bring passion and I'm, a, I'm passionate about whatever endeavor I undertake. <laughs> nice. So when did that, has that always been there since, since your child? It, yeah, you know what? And I was thinking, you know, when you approached me about this, I said, Adam, I don't know if a, I don't know if an hour will do, but we got to make it do. <laughs> but the the other thing I think I, I was thinking about is that um, I can't speak of myself as I am right now without acknowledging and sharing where I came from, like the you know sort of the real you know background of where I came from, and I tried to. South Even Dakota. Go back to that. I'm yeah. sorry. South Dakota. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the big secret, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's where this accent comes from, right? <laughs> yeah. Typical South Dakota accent. Typical South Dakota. Sorry, keep keep going. I interrupted. No, 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 no. And and thanks for bringing that up because that has been like a running joke for all these years, and I I, I have a little fun with it, you know. So I really enjoy that. No, but um, I so I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, uh, twin island republic in the Caribbean, last island in the archipelago that stretches all the way down to uh, South America. But I, I always try to remember myself, you know, even growing up there. And it's funny you ask that question because I, sometimes I, I ask myself, okay, so where did all this energy come from? Like, you know, why, you know, trying to get to the root of like, can I like train myself to like just slow down a little bit, you know? But I realize, um, you know, the, the way I grew up, my my family members just sort of the 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 type of family unit we had and, and just being in that culture um first of all we love to have fun there's this you know saying that trinidadians love to party we know how to throw a party <laughs> but um there were so many things that i i now as i reflect um realize how they've sort of impacted me whether i was you know um whether I, I was in a work setting or having fun, you know, just, you know, typical socializing, you know, being at home and any of that, I, I realized you know, it was time spent um, with my grandmother. I grew up very closely with my grandmother. She was very hardworking. <laughs> so I think I, I definitely got some of that with her. Um, I spent some of my years after that with my, my aunt and my cousins. Um, and there's a, even a backstory to that, but um, my first few years I did live with my mother, but my mom, you know, uh, came to the US um, 
to uh, ahead of me to you know sort of look for for work and and sort of improve um, her situation. So I stayed back there and I lived with my aunt and my cousins and my aunt mm. was also very dedicated and pushed us, you know, very hard. And I think, I think Adam, that's just where, you know, it, she, she would tell us it didn't matter whether we were looking, you know, at our academics or playing sports or whatever it was, you know, she expected, you know, us to, to, to really push ourselves, you know, it wasn't just, you know, Excel, but push yourself to understand, you know, what you can do, you know, what, what, what you can be, you know, what, what that sort of highest potential was. So I think that's where it stems from. <laughs> yeah. And so what did, what did that look like for you when you were there? I mean, mm -hmm. thinking about what you could be, was mm -hmm. there a real image in your mind of what that is or did it come along? Yeah, I would say it didn't, it wasn't, you know, sort of clear cut very early on, you know, we were exposed, I was exposed to a lot in terms of academics um, and, you know, certain, you know, fields of, of interest for me. I had, um, and, you know, speaking primarily to, to architecture and design and, and I'll stretch it even to construction, which I've, you know, been involved in. I had uncles um, and my, my father, let me start with my father, in addition to my uncles were, in the field of, and it was engineering, um, construction primarily. And I remember with my dad specifically, he would, you know, come pick me up after school on days that my mother wasn't picking me up. And he always had to stop at the construction site. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, even though, you know, the earliest memory I had, I was five and you would think, okay, what does a five-year-old have to <laughs> do after school? Well, I had plans. Okay. I always had plans. <laughs> And I remember thinking, okay, he has to stop at the construction site. Like, okay, okay. And, and I would get there and, and, you know, the first thing I would do is sort of dig into his tool bag. You know, he mm. was there doing whatever. And, and he told me that he didn't realize back then how much of an impact it would be because, you know, we ended up in the same field, but he right. just thought, you know, I was playing, passing the time, which I was, but a lot of those memories stuck with me. Um, and, you know, when I lived with my aunt, you know, my, my, my uncles who were also involved in the field, I remember I got my first custom draft and table. My, my, you know, one of my uncles had sort uh. of sanctioned for me. And so that, that I realized, you know, also sort of, um, uh, influenced me because, you know, he would come home and he had, you know, he would bring home his drawings and do, you know, his, red line and exercises, you know, markups, all of that in the evening time when, you know, I would just be there hanging out and he thought I was just kind of, you know, like kids just playing, but I realized how much, you know, a, a lot of that sort of got imprinted. Um, but you so, were actually marking red lines for him. He thought he was, it was scribbles, but you yes, were, yeah, yes. you were critiquing his line weights and uh, yeah, yeah, his loads. Give, and Yep. He would <laughs> give me, you know, like a sheet, a blueprint that he wasn't you know, using anymore, right? And and I could, I could, you know, sort of do what I thought I was, I was imitated, you know? Nice. Yeah. So what what was that built environment like? Um, I mean, growing up, it had to seem normal, right? But then you've lived in these different places. Like, how, how would you classify that and, and how it might have had impact on you? You know, um, growing up in Trinidad. What I, city was it? Uh, Port of Spain is the capital. Oh, okay, yeah, the capital. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, it was two islands, so Trinidad and Tobago. I, I lived in Trinidad. I had family on both islands, but mm. I grew up in Trinidad mostly. Um, 
I, I have to say, growing up in Port of Spain, and then I'll get a little, even more detailed, the specific area of Port of Spain that I grew up in, Adam, and this is why I mentioned in the, in the beginning, I can't tell you who I am today without giving you this back history. Um, it's called Laventil. It's a French-derived um, name. Trinidad was, you know, colonized by almost every European monarchy. Mm. And so this particular village I was from, um, uh, Laventil, is, and it, I, I won't say was, but is and still known as one of the toughest places in Trinidad to grow up. Hmm. And even today, I hear some of my, you know, old neighbors from back there who, you know, I still am in contact with say that, you know, they, they called me everything from a unicorn to like, they'll say things like you made it out, you know, those types of things but right. I um when I say one of the toughest places like I, I shouldn't I probably shouldn't be here today mm. um but it was you know the influence of my grandmother my aunt and you know my mother had entrusted you know that you know her child <laughs> you know right to, 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 to be with you know those family members and to take care of me but um one one particular, and I'll just paint it really quick for you, you know, so we had issues of, you know, poverty, crime, um, social, you know, inequities, just a lot of things that, which is weird to say, you know, we're dealing with today that was, you know, sort of really, really rooted in terms of how we were living back there, hmm. all the way back to, you know, slavery and, and colonial times. These things just trickled down. And so right. here I am in this Beaut it was a beautiful village in Port of Spain, perched on top of this overlooking the Caribbean Sea, just, tr I mean, tropical paradise, but one of the toughest places. My husband usually, um, he, I'll, I'll usually tell people, you know, I'll use the term gangster's paradise, and he's like, no, and he's it's more than that. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I try to paint you know just sort of the, the 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 dichotomy of like the the it's the tough it was one of the toughest places but one of the most beautiful places right and so um the the architecture you know of my village was a lot of what we call squatters um squatting type uh structures where you know this is where most of the slaves settled the african slaves settled when you know slavery was abolished but they weren't given any provisions to be able mm. to start you know, to, to really start their home and establish, you know, their, their future going forward. So it was a lot of houses very similar to what you see in um, Rio de Janeiro, the Brazilian favelas mm -hmm. in the uh, slums of South Africa, the shanty towns, mm. right? So very similar to that. And I grew up on the top of the hill in a, a series of uh, um, building apartments, they used to call them planins, where the government had temporarily built them to offer some assistance. They were supposed to come back and build them. These were boarded apartments, you know, the wood was rotting. You could see outside and not even have to be outside. You could just see it through, wow. you know, holes in the apartment walls where they rotted. But um, they promised that they would come back to rebuild and let's just say my, myself and my cousins and my friends, we all grew up there. It was long past the time that they said they were, they were coming back. But that's the environment we had to live in while going, you know, going to school, um, taking care of, you know, just sort of daily living, you know, um, 
being in, in, in a family unit, having friends and, and, you know, being there and just, we were still functioning as normal. And I say that in quotes, right. <laughs> while having to deal with some of these societal issues, like keeping ourselves safe. And I don't need to, you know, spell out what specific things were. Right. So that was just, you know, for me, I, I still even wonder, like, how, how was I able to sort of overcome, overcome that? Yeah. Um, I had, you know, just, yeah, it was, <laughs> some, hmm. some years seemed really tough, but then I think I had my, my aunt and my grandmother, and I'm not the only family, you know, who may have had this experience, but I have other friends who certainly did well for themselves. Um, my aunt and my grandmother, I have to like really credit them with sort of keeping us, you know, how they say, keep you on the straight and narrow. Well, it was narrow and, and they made sure it was straight. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, so then how did, how did your mom like get out? Like you said, I mean, that's a pretty well, tough yeah. climb there. It's, it's typical. It was typical, Adam, for many families, uh, particularly in the Caribbean, across, you know, multiple islands, where a family member would leave the island and come to the United States to find work, um, to earn money, and they would literally send, right, there, send right. what they need back to the family to help out. And so it was a big sacrifice on my mother's part, too, you know, I'm, I'm her only child. And, and, you know, when she made the decision, it was, it was quite, quite tough, you know, for, for, for her to make that decision. But that's what, you know, many families did, you know, one or two people would leave and, you know, eventually more members would, would, you know, would, 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 um, would, would follow, but it was typically, you know, somebody working here in the U S and, and send in, sending money back and I I was used to that you know yeah and I think I think that's that in a way sort of um I won't say you know even matured my mind at that age it, it did sort of put me a little bit um in a different space compared to you know my friends who had both parents you know they I, I didn't grow up with both parents you know how old were you when when she left she I, I was eight eight wow yeah I was, I just turned eight. And then um, you, how old were you when you joined her? 16. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But the, 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 an interesting thing happened in the, when, you know, right after she left um, in school, all of a sudden I was doing fine, Adam. You know, I was average. <laughs> I think you you were probably better than average. But. <laughs> average. Back then they would place you, you know, in at the end of the term, you first, second, third, fourth, all the way till you know whatever the last number in your class was. We have we have a little bit of a different system to America when you talk about you know classes. It's a little bit different, but you know I would be you know fourteenth, um, second, all like all over the spectrum. And then as soon as my mother left, my, and if you if my aunt were telling the story now, as soon as my mother left, I started kicking butt. <laughs> Really? Uh, yes. And so my aunt, if I could give you a little bit of dialect here, she <laughs> she would say it's like you were playing the fool all the time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but um, and she, you know, she she was happy, but she was like because it was every every term. So in the year we had three terms, 
and you would get, you know, evaluated each term. And all of, all of a sudden I started, it was, you know, it was it, at the beginning, it was second, third, and then it was just like first, 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 first. Wow. <laughs> and I have no idea what happened. I just got, yeah. you know. Yeah. Was it was it because of like your aunt and having to kind of adjust to a different um, person being in charge or was it kind of a thing of showing your mom or? I know? think it was probably a combination because when I had, you know, resolved that, okay, she was gone and I needed to make sure, you know, I, I got over, got over the, 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 the bit of grief you know, that mm. there was, and, and I remember getting up and saying, okay, so it's, it's, it's me now, you know, and I have to make sure I stay on that street. And, right. and so I think it, it was a little bit of like, um, you know, sort of like refocusing, which I, I'm, I'm still sort of surprised because it's like at that age, like, was I really thinking about refocusing myself? It just seemed, you know, to me, like a, like a young age, you know, to be thinking that way. Um, but it had to be such a huge change. I mean, yeah, to have your mother leave. I mean, yeah, that had to kind of shock even a, a, a young person, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it was a bit of both. I think it was that and then, you know, my aunt do, and my, my aunt had, you know, I grew up with, I have a lot of cousins, we're a lot of girls, <laughs> we're all around the same age. So she, it wasn't just me, you know, she was helping to take care of, she had her girls too, but the way she did it is, I still think is, remarkable how she was able to sort of you know keep us keep us all in check <laughs> yeah wow she says so um yeah i mean um that 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 environment and, and that's why i said in adam that i would not i really appreciated even the times that were tough and seemed like you know like okay well maybe no one should be going through this but i also have to tell you something else about the area i grew up in because it's another sort of like strange, you know, twist. I remember there was one day, at, it was the end of the term, and I was coming home, um, got my report. And I, it, back there, we, we have a, a book that's called a report book. I know it's, it's, it's a report card here in the US, but we, we have a book. <laughs> Get a lot of classes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I remember I was walking up the hill, and my aunt had a little grocery. She, she was self-employed little grocery on top of the hill and every now and then she would look out the window and she could see us coming home you know just to have some eyes on us and maybe I was maybe about a third of the way up the hill Adam and I saw a group of guys who I, I knew it was a known gang in our area mm. and as I was approaching I was thinking okay maybe you know they just kind of hanging out, they wouldn't bother me or anything. And then I saw them starting to sort of work their way across the, you know, sort of the path I was walking up and it looked like they were blocking it. Mm. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm here by myself. I don't know if my aunt could see me just yet. I was close, but <laughs> I didn't know if, you know, she could see me. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know, this is the, the, the feisty side of Anisha. You, you've probably seen, I started thinking, cause I was running track. I was like, I counted how many of them it was. And I was like, I could outrun him. I could outrun him. That, all of this was going through my mind. <laughs> I didn't know what they were doing, but they, they had blocked the, you know, the path wow. I was walking up. And we, we, we call it a track, they had blocked it. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna go and whatever happens, happens. 
I was prepared to either like sprint or, you know, whatever. And then the known, the, the one who was the known leader came out in front of me and had the serious look on his face. Mm. And he said to me, where's your report book? <sighs> and I'm like, what? <sighs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is a little bit of a double standard. And he was like, can I see your report book? And all, you know, the other guys just kind of stood behind him and I pulled it out <laughs> and I handed it to him, Adam, and he went through, he opened it, went through every single page and checked my grades. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it really happened. And he was just checking up on you or was he, yeah. was he trying to uh, cross off the name and write his, write his okay. own name in there? <laughs> uh, well, huh. He checked every grade, closed the book, and he said, good, you came first this wow. term, you know, this term. Huh. And I said, yeah, and he said a few other things, and then they parted, and then they let me pass. Hmm. And then I told my aunt, you know, and she was a little bit, because she, you know, she, we, we, we all knew who they were. But, um, you know, she was a little bit devastated at the time, because, you know, she didn't quite see me then. And do you know that every year... Um, well, actually, every term after that, I would be walking home, and if he was out, he would ask me for my report book. Wow. <laughs> checking it every year. And it became this really sort of, you know, I said sort of twisted, you know, a little yeah. bit sort of a weird relationship. But um, at the, when I was leaving, um, when I was almost finishing up school, he asked me, he said, do you know why I've been doing this? And he said, and I said, no, he said, you, you must think that it seems strange because, you know, I, I know you know what, you know, I'm into and, and all of that. And he said, it must seem strange and I'm asking you, I'm checking up on you like this. And he said, he said, I don't want you to go this route. Mm. Um, we're trying to save these last ones that, you know, he said, whoever we can save, we're trying to. And he said, you're one of the last ones and whatever we can do we're going to do it. Wow. And huh. that's why he's been doing that all these years. And I did not know that I always felt that this particular person, this individual, Adam, to me, he didn't just, you know, he wasn't just the gangster of the era. I always felt like there was some, um, some hidden, you know, intelligence to him that I couldn't put my finger on. And I reconnected with a neighbor recently, a few months ago, we were talking and he was, this neighbor was the first person I ever shared that experience with beside my aunt. And I, I'm, I'm talking about people from my village. I've right. shared it with, you know, one or two people here in Denver, but he was the first person from my village I ever shared that to because I didn't want to, you know, I still, I don't know, for whatever reason I was thinking of protecting my family or what, you know, I didn't want to like, you know, sort of just blow this up. Right. <laughs> And this neighbor told me, he said, do you know that this person so-and-so is quite, and was quite intelligent. He just happened to fall into, hmm. you know, the wrong, wrong business, <laughs> you know, at that time. And he said, yeah. So he said all those times he was checking your book. He wasn't just, he was, that wasn't an act. He said, and I said, yeah, cause he spent very, a detailed amount of time going through, you know, and like really, really like paying attention to what was in the book. And I was like, that is why I said, I always felt like there was something hidden about him that I did not, I didn't know, I couldn't put my finger on it. So all these years after this neighbor who knew of this person sort of like, you know, finished and, you know, finished the, the, the story for me, he explained, 
you know, he explained. Wow, that's cool. Was, yeah. So, so yeah, you, so you had this really deep and intricate like community there yeah. that was kind of looking out for you, but also sort of dangerous. But yeah, but it was, but it was, yeah, but it was robust. Mm -hmm. But then you moved to the United States to South Dakota, right? And and all that community goes away essentially, and what and environment, everything, it's totally. Yeah change right so what, what was that what was that jump like well first of all <laughs> jump is the right word maybe even uh, uh, i mean i won't say a death leap but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we were the the community was you know i was now reunited with my mother and my my stepfather he was in the air force so that's how we ended up in South Dakota and you know for me it was a transition where I went directly from Trinidad to South Dakota. That, like, let me say that again that tropical Trinidad <laughs> to unpredictable weather yeah. <laughs> the city South Dakota. Um, my mother and stepfather you know they had been there some years in the, in the military so there were some you know some friends that you know had become you know sort of real close uh, family friends there um my my church there became my community um when i started college that became sort of my new community even though i was this strange person to almost everyone in south dakota because the, the first thing i will uh, you know say is there are not a lot of blacks in south dakota right and then here I am, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm black and I have this different accent. Somebody told me, you, you know, they, they said, you're, you're, you're not one of the normal blacks. And I'm like, what's, <laughs> you know, what's that? What does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but you know what kicked in Adam? Because I know when I got there, I had intentions to pursue architecture. Mm. Um, but they, there wasn't an exclusive architecture program there. And I, my mom had told me about the engineering school there, the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. And I'd, you know, done some research and so, you know, they were one of the top engineering schools in the country. So, um, I found my way down there. I was still, you know, new to the city and my mother was even surprised. I had just been there, you know, for a very short time and, found my way down to the campus you know for myself and spoke with an advisor hmm. and she advised the, the advisor you know said um if you want to do architecture but you're not you know i was only 16 at the time so right. for me, this, being in the u.s was this new frontier and i didn't you know my mother was a little bit hesitant to sort of send me off to some you know other college in another state and i hadn't lived here by myself so I spoke with the advisor and she said, you could start, you know, do your degree, first degree in engineering and then transition into a master's of architecture program. Um, and so my, my degree, you know, had the emphasis of structures behind it, which, you know, facilitated that, that transfer. And so that, that became, I likened that to when my, you know, when my mom left at eight and I was like, okay, got to refocus now. <laughs> For me, it was like, okay, I'm here with her now, but she's trying to, you know, sort of help me with this transition, but I needed to do part of, you know, part of that job too, and like refocus and get myself, you know, like in college and on the path, you know, to, to study in architecture. So that's, that's how that, so, you know, the, the first few months, you know, sort of worked out in terms of me 
move in there in addition to not being used to frigid temperatures. Right, right. <laughs> That's a whole nother transition. Uh, yeah, I love that story you tell of getting off the airplane and like flip-flops and sundress oh, and like people God. just running to you with coats and uh, yes, yes. Right. My, my mother had, this when, in, you know, in the um, pre 9-11, when you could walk up to the gates, right, and meet whoever it was you were picking up. And coming from Trinidad, we, we didn't really have winter clothes there. So I had, you know, sundress and some sandals on, um, got stopped in Miami because, you know, my, my, the items in my suitcase didn't match where I said I was going. So customs held me back until I was able to you know, explain, you know, that's where I was going. And, and, and I remember the officer said, okay, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time I was thinking, what kind of a welcome to the U.S. is that, sir? I called him sir. <laughs> and I'm six feet and I'm like, remember, I'm a little feisty. Right? I'm trying to be, you know, responsible. I'm traveling by myself, you know, and all of that. We get to South Dakota and I could see my mother off, you know, at the, at the gate and she had this big, coat in her hand and she she was yelling she's she's like run Anisia and I was like I can't feel my damn toes <laughs> <I can't. laughs> uh, that's funny yeah uh, so South Dakota but I, yeah, I think that's interesting because I, I I thought I knew you had the the engineering degree and I thought it was like engineering and then you kind of transitioned to architecture but it, but it was a vision of architecture from the beginning it seems mm -hmm. like and then you went went to see you for for architecture so what was how did that was that vision pretty clear pretty early on of architecture and then when you got to see you was it what you expected it to be well it became clear back in Trinidad so after you know I had um, you know spent time with my father on the country on the construction side got into my architectural classes in high school mm. i had some really good you know mentors in high school that sort of you know helped nurture you know that that part of my skill and it was upon um you know graduating back there i decided that that's the field i wanted to go into so it, it started even you know way back in mm. trinidad and so come into the, the U.S., which a lot of, you know, uh, uh, students in the Caribbean do as well. You know, they come over, they'll we'll finish high school there and come over to the U.S. to, to start college here. And so um, for me, it was, okay, so that's the plan. And the plan is to study architecture. But when I got there, they didn't have the exclusive program. And so the, the engineering, which I, I also enjoyed, <laughs> you know, um, sort of was the, the, the precursor and and now you know has become even more meaningful to me mm. right rather than just a, a precursor to, to architecture right and so then why why see you um so when i finished school there in in, in south dakota um i still I, I wasn't very knowledgeable i'll say about you know schools in america universities in america i was trying to do you know, my research in terms of getting used to uh, or getting to know, you know, what types of schools were out there, what programs were offered. And I will be honest, I was just like, it is too cold in South Dakota. <laughs> I don't know if this should be a criteria, but I was looking at, you know, places that were warmer. <laughs> Slightly warmer. Slightly There's a lot warmer, warmer I places. Quite, yeah. I didn't quite, you know, focus <laughs> that, but um, I had a, a, a close colleague of mine in engineering school. His name was Josh. Um, 
we ended up, you know, becoming really good friends. And he was from Colorado and he told me, you just told me a lot about Colorado. And you have to understand, you know, being in Rapid City, South Dakota, sometimes it, it can feel so isolated, so enclosed um, that just even, you know, sort of leaving the state, even if it was for a weekend or something like that, um, was kind of like, oh, I'm going to the city, <laughs> you know, I'm going to Denver, I'm going to, you know, to, to, to get to see and experience, you know, just every, everything else you would imagine, you know, you would, you would experience in a city. Now, don't get me wrong, I actually quite enjoy, um, I enjoy Western, what they call West River, South Dakota, so the Black Hills, um, all, right. and all of that, just the most beautiful landscape you'll ever see. And so I, I, I still, you know, really enjoy that, that part of the state. But um, so yeah, this, my, my friend, you know, Josh sort of convinced me to, to check out Colorado. <laughs> and I had been here, you know, one or two times before, but I still didn't know very much. Um, so for me, it was like, well, it's not like I had been to any other state and I could, you know, sort of compare at the time it was like new adventure. Okay. And, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, sort of go forth and see what was out there. Yeah. And I know like now the school seems fairly diverse, like within my students and, and was it, so I assume that a technical university, technical school at South Dakota wasn't very diverse in terms of gender or anything else, but then coming to, to see you at that time was a little bit more diverse and a little bit more maybe closer to what you were used to in Trinidad, Tobago, not really? Or? Unfortunately not, it wasn't at all. Um, mm. I was exposed to more diversity in terms of, you know, the, the city and, you know, sort of the metropolis of, of Denver and, 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 you know, some of the other um, uh, um, sort of surrounding areas in terms of people I met, you know, when I got here. But in terms of the school, I was, it was, I remember my first year starting architecture, there was one other um, young lady, um, black uh, young lady who started with me. And in my first year, we were the only two blacks that I knew. There were other minorities, but it wasn't, you know, I, I can only speak for, you know, what I remember for, um, from, you know, sort of being a, a person of color, um, specifically black. But um, in my year, it was just, just the two of us. And then she left after the first semester. And then it <laughs> to me. So you and, get to be the unicorn again? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I knew in, in the year ahead, there was, you know, there were, I, I knew of a Brazilian student, um, uh, a Vietnamese student. And um, I think those were, and, you know, a couple of students from Europe but um, not on the minority side, <laughs> you know? Right. But yeah, it was just me. And I remember thinking, I remember telling her, I was like, don't, don't do it. Like hang in there, hang in there, you know? But yep, I didn't, I didn't see much by way of the student body or the faculty. Right. Which is, which is still kind of the case now, but yes. so I think, well, we'll get into that. But so, so school then, um, and was there was there any kind of surprises in the in the core in the in the degree itself of like architecture or um, how you how you kind of steered your your academic path within the school and then how it kind of led towards uh, a job afterwards? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember thinking, or you know, really 
sort of feeling like I was being exposed to this whole side of architecture that, um, you know, where we talk about ideas, conceptual ideas, or how we might evaluate um, a, you know, a, a site within a community, you know, so all of these like non sort of technical discussions that, you know, you might have at the beginning, right, of a project. Right. I remember coming to see you and thinking, I'd love to talk about that, but the academic side of me, based on where I was coming from, was having a hard time sort of reconciling the two. Mm. And I remember I spoke with, um, uh, there was a particular professor, I don't know if I should call his name or not. <laughs> um, cool, is it? Yeah. Robert Flanagan, and he's uh, actually, he's, he's, he's retiring this year. Yeah. I remember we had a, there was a pinup, and it was actually two of them. It was Robert Flanagan, um, and then Phil Gallegos actually had, mm. you know, had said a couple of things to me, but in particular, Rob, uh, sorry, Bob, we call him Bob. Um, I was telling him, I said, Bob, I don't know, I, you know, I'm coming from this highly technical background. I can, you know, the engineering, I can crank, I could, you know, the math and understand, you know, these sort of structural concepts and, and I enjoy architecture. And he had heard me talk about architecture and he said, Anisia, <laughs> you're just going to have to figure out and find a way to somehow get your background, this technical background right not to not to mesh but he was like use it as as a bolstering tool right right and and i didn't at first of all i was like okay i think bob just <laughs> yelled at me and i was like i know i should listen i had to tone the fight down just a yeah. little bit you know and i will never forget that um and it's until until he said that adam Adam, I remember going through subsequent studios and I was still, I hadn't figured it out. I was still trying to figure, you know, you know, really understand, well, how, how do I take my background and, and allow it to be this thing that could support, you know, this new thing I was studying. And I, I think it, it, it didn't happen until maybe studio four or something. Mm, like four out of six. Yeah. 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 And I remember feeling so, like even that much more appreciative, right, of, of that technical background. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, the first thing I did say when I got to, you know, my first year, I said, I don't know if I can get all touchy-feely with these architecture students. I literally, <laughs> I, I, I remember that's exactly what I was feeling and I said it. And I, I think I, that's probably what I said to Bob and maybe that's why I got that reaction. <laughs> from him but um yeah it didn't happen until studios later that you know I, I i saw that you know what what the potential was right so then when when did you graduate what year oh no i'm i don't know if i want to put that out okay there. well oh it doesn't matter <laughs> i i graduated in, i graduated in 09 and it's always like that's such a that's you know the downturn and it's in influences how the job market was yeah. So let's just say we'll go past that. You, uh, well, no, 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 no. no. Very... Actually, I, I, I usually say that because then my students, if they hear, they, they start doing the math and they try uh, to figure out your life. Okay, I graduated in two thousand and seven. Seven. Okay. Yep. So, <laughs> so that was a good economy, and and so what 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 happened when you graduated? What where did you go to next, and what did that look like? Well, I started my I did an internship um, 
I started in my last year of architecture school. I um, was working at Sprocket Design Build. Back then it was Sprocket Design Build. So I um, started that in 2006 and worked with them for a year. And uh, they offered me a job upon graduation. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you want me to go much past that because then, you know, 2008 <laughs> happened. Mm. Um, and so, it, it, I, should I just go into that? Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so worked for Sprocket for a year and then 2008 happened. Um, at Sprocket essentially, and not just Sprocket, but a lot of firms as you know, you would recall also to um, uh, had to lay off, um, you know, their, their employees and Sprocket almost, you know, they, they, they had to sort of take their staff down, you know, to sort of bare minimum just to be able to sort of continue for, you know, right to make it through that time. But the, the one thing they said to me before, you know, I remember the last day I, I, I was there, the um, one of the principals who's, you know, one of my just, I, they've essentially become family and I'll tell you why uh, later on, but um, Matt McHugh, who was one of the owners and principals, is one of the owners and principals said to me, he said it, it you know, it's a, it was a difficult decision um, for everyone, you know, that Manhattan was involved, but he said, if in six years time we're able, and I'm, I'm wondering why that number came out. He was like five, six years, you know, if we're able to build ourselves back and, and you know, and really get back, you know, sort of the, the, the staff that we have, he was like, you will be getting a call from us. Mm, nice. And I, you know, I, appreciated here and not but you know at the same time you're like well you know so many things could happen right in five six years and I had went to work for miraculously found a job during that time wow. at another firm uh H&L Architecture back then it was known as H&L Architecture and I practiced there for almost six years because I got the call from Sprocket Almost six years later when they had rebuilt. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Man, it's a long, long time to rebuild, I know. right? And that's, <laughs> that's, that's when you know you've you found a good firm, right? Mm -hmm. the, the idea of that, that kind of word and, and coming back to you. And, yeah. Um, so you went, you went back with them and, uh, yeah, kind of briefly tell us about the kind of their setup and the kind of business model, especially that design build at, at that yeah. larger scale and your yeah your role within it well sprocket was um so it's matt McHugh, who's one of the owners and principals and bill moore also right. um owner and principal and um bill had you know was coming with the design and and you know sort of heavy construction um background and matt was um you know sort of the 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 lead in terms of the design aspect just you know like love watching him work too. He's, you know, an incredible designer and passionate and just, you know. Um, so for me, it was really nice to be around um, a group of people that had, you know, that drive and, and passion as well. Um, but were, they, they were, you know, just really interested in, in also the, the fun part of architecture too, you know. Nice. Um, so they, um, design and build um, um, a lot of their projects back then we were you know it was primarily residential and I would say you know sometimes we would have you know some some what I call one-off time projects that was you know like just a little sort of extra injection of a fun 
you know, experience. So I started there um, uh, primarily and exclusively on the design side, <clears throat> um, worked for a number of years. I had a slight break where, because I was teaching at the same time as well, and they were very accommodating of me teaching. Um, I was able to use, uh, well, not use, but teaching became this, you know, other, you know, sort of blessing in terms of 2008 happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, I, I didn't start teaching until 2010, but um, it was another way that I could sort of, you know, supplement my income, you know, right. at, at that time. And I was able to keep that um, going, but as Sprocket was very gracious in allowing me to, to do both. And so worked for them um, when I went back for a couple of years, took a break to just explore, you know, just teaching. I thought, you know, maybe I would transition. Oh, and, really? um, and then <laughs> over happy hour one evening, because I would keep, you know, in contact with Bill and Matt and some of my colleagues there. Um, I, I met up with Bill and we had this little, you know, where the office was, um, there's a, a place called Dazzle right next to it. We, that was sort of our happy hour location. We nice. love, you know, it was just a couple of steps next door. <laughs> and, you know, Bill said um, to me, we met and he said, um, and you see, I have a, a, a proposition for you. There's a software, you know, we're wanting to um, implement to, to sort of um, use for our, our construction, you know, management and administration process and he said i'm wondering if maybe you could come in learn the software in a week <laughs> and then get the projects all loaded onto the software and then turn around and teach everybody how to use the software in the office and in the field and and actually he said he's like he said specifically he's like you tell everybody what to do because that's what you do that's what you do <laughs> <laughs> but he thought nice he feistiness thought, yeah yeah he thought that i could put together the knowledge and you know sort of history i had with working um you know at sprocket but then also since i was teaching he was like yeah we could just put those two things together and then and we're doing this both with drinks in our hands <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm not sure that was you know it worked out i mean it worked out but you know i don't know if it was the best setting to decide that. <laughs> And you said, what's my raise going to be for this new job title? Yeah, <laughs> this new experience. Yeah. So, and I, 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 that's what happened. I came in, learned this software and I mean, it was a week, got the other projects. So I got all the projects that we had, you know, active at the time onto the software, loaded on the software and then started training everyone in the office and then training everyone in the field, which that's a whole, that was a whole mm. other experience. But, um, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know, those guys in the field were like, who is this? Cause I showed up, showed up in, you know, in that construction trailer. And I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is nice. Right. Um, and so I, I became, you know, the, the, the project administrator for the company. So I was working out primarily on the construction side. I wasn't doing, you know, um, any design at that point. Um, so they were basically, you know, sort of putting, you know, sort of revamping the, the, the CA side of, of, of their construction business. And um, I continued to train, you know, any new employees we had. And I was training both on the design side and the construction side because the software, you know, involved everything from pre-design to punch list. Really? So, yes. Yeah, so I was In what in ways does it involve pre-design? Like, um, so... 
so it, it 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 was specifically you know based on how we wanted to start the project so anything from um you know sort of client meetings any type of you know initial surveys any type of that you know um uh specific um discussions that we might have you know pre-setting up the project you could mm. get you know sort of use this platform to facilitate that and then because we started it you know you would have started it in that project you could sort of the information was kept on a single you know sort of um shell project shell that you could then you know sort of keep referencing information across these project tools that mm. led to punchless interesting um yeah I mean, I think it's really interesting, like knowing that you're, you, you're that part of the aspect of the, of the firm there. Um, and, you know, you, you texted me earlier this week and you said, oh, you know, is it, uh, is it going to be an issue if I'm not a licensed architect? Do you only want licensed architects? And I said something about like, like, hell no, like, I don't <laughs> care if the AIA says you're an architect or whatever, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I don't, I also have a, a sort of hard relationship with like the idea of being licensed and that mm -hmm. saying something, but, but you, you said that, um, that, that you had this, this bit of a academic versus practice battle. And yeah. that, was, that was part of it. And I think it's interesting how you're dealing with, with CA in practice, but then you're, you're, you're teaching graduate studios early on theory and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And the, that kind of dichotomy there. Um, and also I didn't realize that, that you had been full-time teaching earlier on because you, you just pretty much switched full-time teaching this year, right? As yeah. Well. So and, and, talk and about I mean, that kind of battle. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't quite, you know, full-time. I was teaching at two institutions. I had, um, um, I had gotten a request from another um, uh, colleague who, um, you know, wanted to see if I had any interest in, in teaching in their program. And so because I wasn't full time with CU, I was able, you know, to do that as well. So it was like, you know, multiple part times that made up a full time, you know, schedule. And so that's what that was. So it, it you know, tested the waters a bit, you know, for me then. And then, um, yeah, so the, the, the <laughs> and I, I also like how you, you painted it, you know, I'm, I'm, I was sort of responsible for this, you know, part of the project that is, you know, still quite high level in terms of executing the project. But then, you know, I'm teaching design, you know, sort of these early design studios that, you know, teaching sort of these fundamental, you know, ideas about architecture and how you even start to, you know, how you'd approach, right, design. Right, yeah. And so for, for putting those two worlds together, I realized that, and I, I said a, a, a battle because it's not, it's not that just it's like, there's this negative side to it, but it's this thing that I have to, you know, consider, which is why, you know, I'm still on the path <laughs> to licensure and a couple other things that I've, I've added to my plate. And, you know, that's a whole nother story about my busy bodiness, but um, I have two spectrums of those two roles that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, but for me, Adam, what the, the way I looked at it was I always used to say I want my students to be all round designers. And that meant that they had to look even outside of architecture. They had to mm. appreciate, right, the contributing fields outside of architecture to be able to make them strong within architecture. And so if I could speak to you about some, you know, some aspect of the project that was, you know, months, years, even, you know, based on a construction schedule down the line, that could somehow come back 
and explain something that, you know, it, it would be dependent on, you know, at, at the beginning of a project based on a single decision. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. To me, that was, I mean, that's a spectrum I love to cover. Mm. And I, I experience it still because I, I remember the first time I, I, so I was teaching design studios and then I started teaching the structures courses mm. at, at CU. And I had a student say to me, he said, said Anissa, he's like, I'm just going through a little bit of a psychological shuffling right now. He's like, cause he's like, just yesterday you and I were in the studio and we were talking about this, you know, these conceptual ideas, nothing technical or anything like that. And he said, and now today I'm sitting here and you're in front of me and you're pounding these formulas down my throat and we're talking, you know, this structural, you know, technical things. And he said, He's like, I'm, I'm just trying to reconcile. He's like, first of all, I'm trying to figure you out. <laughs> and I was like, don't, I was like, that's not your objective here. <laughs> yeah, back <laughs> off. Yeah. Back off. <laughs> but but he, he, he was being, you know, just really genuine and saying, he's like, I'm, I'm trying to just understand how you can do both. And it was, it, let's just say he had this real perplexed, you know, look on his face. Cause I just, I just went all in, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. But it's so difficult. I mean, you know, that, that, straddling those two worlds like I, yeah. I'm finding it more and more difficult and the idea of teaching studio and then going back to an office and trying to switch your mind and it's it's tiring and it's you know and and there's always that thought of well should I just try to pursue academia or or stay here or mm -hmm. um and it's and it seems like this year you've kind of made a, a choice possibly to to pursue more academia is that right or yes yeah um you know I I I was, you know, sort of finishing, and I wouldn't even say finishing up with Sprocket because, you know, they they offered me the opportunity to do some consulting with them. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's good for, for me. I, I do want to keep, you know, some, you know, my, my, my foot in that, in the industry, um, in that manner, so that I am, you know, current, up to date. I'm just having, you know, even if it's just having conversations, right? right? Understand what's what's you know sort of current in in terms of trajectories of, of where the industry is going but i've always enjoyed teaching adam and this has been tugging at me for not just this past year not the last two years for many years and um i'll say that this isn't just teaching in the architecture field as you know i've I'm also a, a dancer and choreographer and I've modeled for years and I've ended up in teaching capacities in those fields as well. Some of the time, not even on my own, you know, my own efforts, I've been approached and asked, you know, to teach. And I was like, how did that person know that I, you know, even had an interest in teaching? Some people have just boldly come up to me and say, you need to be teaching this. And like literally just walked away, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was um, it was more in sort of response to not just fulfilling that goal, but answering that call for me mm. as a purpose. Right. And, and you're, you're totally right about this hour limit. It's not a real <laughs> limit, but it, like when I was writing out, I have like a real brief outline and I was writing that out last night and I was like, this is going to, this is, there's she she has a lot going on this is going to last but i want to try to get into that a little bit so I, I you know i like talking a lot about community on this on this podcast but so what 
what what is your community here within Denver like professionally and and with all these other kind of um, yeah. things yeah. you're doing as well? Well, we can start on you know the professional side as I you know mentioned. I'm still very much you know connected you know with my and I'll say family and community at Sprocket. Um, you know when I think about those guys have known me since I was a student. I just did the math the other day and I said they knew me when I was- I won't make you tell the number. <laughs> that was enough that you had. No, yeah. yeah, but I was thinking they, they've seen me in a sort of go through some phases and changes. And when you think about, you know, being in a community, being in a family, that's what, you know, like that, that's part of the story too. So, um, you know, professionally, I'm still, you know, connected to both, um, you know, my colleagues on the design side and construction side. I spent a lot of time. I didn't just train people in the field. I spent time in the field as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, there's the, the academic side too. So professors who people I've had as professors and now, you know, are either, you know, colleagues or, you know, sort of past colleagues with. Um, and I also like to consider, you know, my, my students, you know, a, a vital part of my community too, because um, it's, it's really about sort of passing on, passing on what I know that would set them up, right, for their futures, to continue right. to build our community, our design community. Um, on the, and I don't want to say on the other side, because before I used to try to keep these worlds like really separate, Adam, but I, I keep running into, instances where they, they they try to you know sort of intertwine and sometimes i just let them do that but um i started i was teaching dance here um a number of years ago as well um with a uh, a another friend of mine who was also a teacher but she you know she, she taught dance primarily she had a, a small dance school here for a few years so i started teaching um i'm trained in the uh, latin Dancing. Yeah, when did the when did the teach when did the dancing and the modeling come in? How did that? Gosh. That's what I. That's the story we should be talking about. Yeah. So I actually started modeling a long time ago. I, I my first fashion show was when I was five. Really? Huh. And it wasn't planned. It wasn't a. I wasn't supposed to be in the show. My mother is a, so my mother is a cosmetologist, and she was working the fashion show. This this big fashion show in Trinidad uh. that night, and her boss came to her and said. My mom's name is Denise. She said, Denise, I don't know what I'm going to do. One of the models didn't show up. It's going to mess the lineup and the timing and everything. She was like, what do I do? And I remember I was standing there with my mother watching her do one of the models here. And I was wearing this new dress she had got for me. And she looked down at me and she said, she's like, Anisia, do you want to do this? And I knew exactly what she meant. <laughs> And my, my mom's boss was like, oh, should, should we put her on to, to fill, you know, to fill the time? And I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm five. And I got my new dress on. I want to show this off. And Adam, I remember that was one of the longest runways, you know, in, 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 a, in a kid's mind, right? <laughs> and my, my, and, you know, it was just me and my mom and she would, you know, she would show me how to do little things. And I remember she said, okay, do this, this, and that. And I said, okay. And they, I remember they lifted me up and put me on the stage. And I walked the runway, took up the time that they told me to take up and came back. And then the show went on. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I was doing that, you know, since then. I, you know, I did other shows since then. Um, and so were you doing it in, in South Dakota and Colorado and yeah, yeah all the way I, through? I, yeah, I actually did. Um, I didn't do it as much in South Dakota. I did more, you know, there used to be these like, and I, they might still have them, but um, these sort of model conferences and conventions where you'd go get training and meet, you know, agents and all of that. But when I came to Colorado, um, this is why I say I can't separate, completely separate these models. I was like, okay, I'm only here for architecture and architecture. <laughs> I was out here a week and I was walking in the grocery with my, pushing my cart. Jumps in front of me and she said, I, but to come model from my cousin. She's a designer here in Denver. And I was like, I don't know anybody here in Denver, but I'm going to trust this lady. I'll maybe let, you know, a couple people know where I'll be during this cast and call. <sighs> and I went and met the designer and I've been, I have been modeling for this designer for the, the entire time that she was doing, you know, it was a period about, you know, three to five years where she was constantly, you know, putting out lines and, and I actually, just you know recently maybe a month ago did uh you know modeled for her for one of her new businesses and i'm thinking you know, after all these years <laughs> wow nice <laughs> um so so yeah so so that's that's the modeling side <laughs> and the the dance side was um my colleague yeah, who i started teaching with it, it was just a, a chance meeting and she was like will you come teach for me and so that's that's how that hmm. happened yeah yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I was on a review for you one time with, and it uh -huh. was for that dance project with with Chloe Parker Robinson here yes, in Denver, yes. and it was it was this really nice uh, introduction to that kind of kind of dance Colorado dance world, especially like kind of Five Points uh, culture there. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you been connected with with her and that like pretty consistently or not? Not as consistently because, so we finished that studio project um, last year, which was the, you know, that was when COVID really happened, right? So the, the, the studio design project, we got to halfway during the semester and then we had to transition, you know, to remote, um, you know, to, to our remote setting. Um, well, as you can imagine, it also affected their plans too. Um, they were, you know, sort of going through this, massive um you know effort to sort of uh um you know sort of re re um redesign their their, their campus right now mm. they're in a they're in a, a old historic church building but they had plans to expand the campus um so that has all been you know halted um and they've mm. been really you know sort of working at ways to to keep the the dance not only their dancers, but the dance community, right, intact. <laughs> mm. um, I haven't had so much constant, you know, interaction with them, but as a, you know, once you're in the dance community, you're always sort of, you know, uh, keeping, you know, keeping up to date on what workshops are going on, you know, who might be doing a specific presentation. Um, and now, you know, it's primarily, it's, it's all virtual. They did have some things where they were doing outside. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to sort of maintain connection like that, but then we also do it as a way of supporting each other because we know what each other is going through in terms of, 
you know, not being able to come together in person and, and dance in person. And it, it affects you financially too. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not teaching dance at the moment. So I was making sure, you know, to sort of do workshops or, you know, take, you know, classes um, wherever I, you know, I could have to support, you know, my fellow teachers. Hmm. Yeah, I think this might be a leading question or a or packed question, but just playing off of that, how how has uh, 2020 looked differently for you? And and I think there's probably lots of different ways, but it it seems like you your 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 profile within Denver has been elevated as well in 2020. Um, more speaking and more interviews and more things, right? I mean. Um, oh. So I'll let you yeah. take that uh, out, but yeah, and, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I, when you said elevated, I'm so like, <laughs> I'm like, no, Adam, I'm just doing me, you know. <laughs> but I will speak to, yes, okay, so we can talk about, you know, COVID, but it, in, it specifically, we know the event, right, that started to, to that triggered, um, not just an uproar, not just, but triggered years and memories and you know just everything that had to deal with the um just the treatment of blacks and not blacks but minorities underrepresented communities um that week i have to tell you right so when george floyd was murdered and you know we saw different you know sort of industries and I could speak to, you know, architecture in particular, starting to look at, internally look at themselves, right? Whether it be schools, you know, universities, firms, um, whatever the entity is there. Um, let's just say my phone, I got a lot of phone calls, a lot of requests. And I did, I did do, I did one particular interview with um, the AIA. It was their um, discussion about race. Right. Um, so I did that, and then there are some other people I sort of, you know, I spoke to offline, and I feel, um, now I rarely say I'm tired, <laughs> but there was even, you know, one or two um, people that I just, you know, had to, I had to say no to because I didn't, I didn't want to be, you know, my full potential, you know, and, and full ability, you know, I, I didn't want to not be that in terms of expressing, you know, my thoughts are all given, given, you know, just my, even if it's just, you know, just thinking about just discussing what we were going through. Right. Um, I was mentally tired. And for me to even admit I was tired, <laughs> that's just not a zone I'm used to being in. Right. Um, but so I understand, you know, what you mean when you say sort of, you know, that my profile was elevated, but um, it was at the same time, I felt a little bit of, diminishing due to this weight mm. I was feeling. It was such a heavy weight and it wasn't only on the professional side, it was the academic side too. Mm. And it was just even in my, you know, social circles. Cause I saw, you know, close friends and, and colleagues of mine hurting just as, you know, just as much. And it was like, okay, so I'm looking at my field, you know, within architecture and I see all these, you know, everything that everyone is trying to do in terms of becoming, you know, they, we say, um, you know, just really aware of what we were truly dealing with. But I don't know how much internally, you know, 
people were really able to see and understand and and you know you you want to share it all but you're you're tired at the same time right yeah um and you've probably you know you've been it seems like you've you've been so used to being such a minority mm -hmm. in south dakota or in colorado and kind of getting used to that maybe i mean i i don't know if i told you but i, I um my my sister was adopted she, mm -hmm. uh, she's nine years younger than me and and so and she's black Oh, and, I didn't and we and we grew up um yeah in the middle of kansas really small town and mm -hmm. so i see a lot of kind of parallels with 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 you two you know just growing up in that kind of situation and um and i think yeah it's it's uh i mean you you, you told a story about one time uh of just uh, a kind of a an event that uh, just um mm -hmm of of how you were treated by somebody and it just and it, it really hit me a lot just um thinking about my sister in that time and and and, and the kind of parallels uh there as well but um i think yeah so we don't need uh, to dwell on it i guess but mm -hmm. but it, i didn't know what what you kind of wanted to to go into or not you know um i th i think like with this podcast you know, I'm very aware, like on, on my Instagram page, it's, it's five dudes that look the same, that have the same colored glasses. And, you know, and, and I have like, it's, I've invited so far, like 16 people and eight of them have been women, but it's all the guys who I guess have the time to come and talk so far. But, mm -hmm. but I think just that, um, the idea of diversity within mm -hmm. the community here, um, I'll edit all this mumbling out that I'm doing, but, uh, but, but, you know, I think uh, at least within my, my students, my class, right. There's, it seems like there's a lot more diversity and, and, and I don't know, is this a new thing? Uh, and we'll see the ramifications of that diversity in, in the Denver profession in five, five years when they, when they get out, or is it a thing where they, the diversity somehow gets kind of filtered out? Mm -hmm. um, I, First of all, it's it's um, it's kind of sad, you know, that we have to even call it a thing, right, Adam? You know, right, right. Because you know, not just you know nationally, but internationally, there's there's a whole different world out there, and 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 sometimes it's it. I say, you know, if if people could only see, you know, even how other countries get an understanding of how, how other countries even, you know, sort of deal with, with, you know, um, situations that, you know, challenge diversity or, you know, sort of racial equity and societal, you know, um, some of these societal problems, it would, you would find, you know, sort of positive and negative things, but it would open your eyes so much more. Right. So to, so to even have to call it a thing, I said, I spoke to a, a, a group recently and I said that I made it very clear that this wasn't something that was just hip today and should not be considered that. But this right. was something very rooted. We've been using the word systemic. And I said, you're going to hear that word over and over again, but I don't want you to just you need to hear it, but you need to understand like what 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 that means, 
right? You need to search and, and, and search yourself and search, you know, just search and understand what systemic means, what rooted means. Think about it in terms of time, space, you know, um, experiences. They all sort of contribute to what, what we've been feeling, <laughs> right. you know, all right. these years. And the reason, you know, so now the, the, we're, we're seeing, you know, this bubble over right now. It's not something that just, you know, became an, an issue yesterday. So I spoke very sternly and I said this to the group and I wanted them to know how, how um, serious I was about all the efforts that are being, you know, that we're seeing now in terms of, you know, firms, um, universities, you know, other companies putting out, you know, diversity statements or initiatives to, to really look about, you know, to, to look at their, you know, equitable practices, right? Their inclusion practices, their diversity practices. Um, that, I hope, Adam, I, I, I don't know if I could say, you know, yeah, this will be, you know, sustained, you know, and we'll see, continue to see, you know, sort of this, um, you know, this, this uh, increase in awareness, because it's very easy for some people to um, remember and to forget. I'm actually mm. working on a, a article series right now. I'm, uh, you know, I'm titling it, A Promise to Remember. I don't know, I, lots of ideas. I don't know where it's going to go. But, <laughs> um, but I just wanted everybody to know that it, it, it simply is not a hip thing. This, this affects not just, you know, who we are today, right? But it could affect not, and again, not just the next generation, but generations to come. Because look at what got us here. It's generations and generations upon generations of mistreatment. And I'm 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 going to start with that word. There's some even you know more graphic words I could use. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, just a, a, not a, a a care for humanity at all. And that that just and you know some and 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 you've seen me, Adam. You know I can I I say I'm feisty, but I do have other sides to me. You know I I remember that those weeks after you know I did those interviews I. This one week I just sat and cried. Yeah. Did. Right. And then you get angry. <laughs> and then, you know, you sort of, I, I go into my, you know, call to action <laughs> um, mode. And I don't want it to be like cyclical, but for me, it, it, it keeps me remembering. Right? Um, right. And I should mention this too. At the same time, I was on the founding board. I still am. We were founding the professional chapter of NOMA here in Colorado, which we are an official chapter right now. Right, yeah. And so it was just, um, it was amazing how, you know, the, the timing lined up, but it, it, I mean, I got so fired up at him and I still am. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, you know, just that overlap. So when I was tired, I had, you know, my, my and I called, we, we, you know, two other colleagues I've been working really closely with, we call ourselves our sisters, we're really sisters in this, you know, in this, you know, sort of effort where we're trying to bring support and, you know, pr primarily support to um, our, you know, minority colleagues in the field. But 
it was having them at that time too, because we were able to share all the phone calls we were getting, all the requests we were getting, <laughs> you know, but just share genuinely how we were feeling and just be able to support each other. Um, not just, you know, during that time, it's, it's, it's been continued, but we've been able to sort of manage it a little bit better because, you know, emotions and everything were, everything had flared up. It was, you know, everything was bubbling over, which, um, sometimes to relieve pressure, right? <laughs> You've got to let that happen. Right. Yeah. But, but such a strange time to be bubbling over with the, with yeah. Corona as well and just being bottled up and yeah. bubbling over and yeah, well, uh, let's 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 move on to this. so a nicer thing what so what what's been your your mountaintop moment within your career would you say you've had a uh the, the best moment where you, where you look back and you said man this is worth it this is this is great i don't know this is gonna sound strange and i don't think i've had it yet yeah adam yeah and i i i I don't know if I, I want to, might attribute that to my, you know, um, my mentor and my boss, Matt McKee used to say my can do attitude. Uh, you know? <laughs> what, so what, what do you think that will look like? Is, um, is there a I, thing that you're like, once I do that, that's, that's yeah. when, I did that, when I'll make it or, or something yeah. like that. It's actually going to go back to my um, interaction with Bob Flanagan. Oh. I think my background my two, you know, and I could speak about it in terms of my my professional and academic background, but then there's also the sort of social and, you know, cultural side, you know, my yeah. the cultural background too. But I think when I'm really sort of able to fully embrace, well, I've embraced it, but fully like, you know, sort of execute, you know, the, the ability and power of, you know, sort of me having this part of architecture that it depends on right to be able to create you know spaces and places and community and homes and everything for people and and you know sort of allow that to, to mesh with a beautiful sort of story whether it's an idea or a concept or just um i and i say that i don't know if i've had it because i don't know what it's gonna look like but i know when i get there i'll know what it looks like yeah. no i have specific goals yeah i want to get i you know finish um uh my uh get you know my my license i want to get a phd i want to be on tenure track mm. and get tenured um i want to do a travel and dance uh cooking show <laughs> nice <laughs> i thought i'd just throw that one in there <laughs> I already have part of the pilot written out. I'll just say that. Um, but actually, not 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 specifically cooking. Not that that's another thing. But I want to do an architecture, travel and dance series. <laughs> that's awesome. That that was going to be my last question. Is, is is do you know what's next? But it sounds like you really do know what's next. And I just want you to remember when you get that nice TV show and you're traveling all nice places. I yeah. had you on my show, so now yeah. you can have me on your on your yeah. show. It'll yeah. be a little different, but yeah. And all all a part of my goal to never that's my promise to to, to remember, right? I'll, yeah, there you I'll go. I'll never forget. I'll never forget Adam. Great. <laughs> well, it's always so fun to see you in, in school and interact with you and um thanks so much for coming on and telling this story. So Yeah, thank you. I, Adam, I I just want to say thank you as well. I, first of all, I think what you're, you know, just even your, 
your decision and willingness to to do this you're you're taking you know a lot of your time to invest in your time to allow us to tell our stories um i really you know like i was so excited to to, to hear you were doing that and in a way you're you're sort of you know helping at least for me i could speak for myself because even though you know i might say you know i did get you know it was you know a little bit mentally tiring and you know also physical it does help when you when you talk and regurgitate and for me it's telling these stories bring a measure of like healing nice. um, and you know so for me that's that's always a plus <laughs> that's awesome almost everybody said that you know some people are hesitant to come on but everybody mm-hmm. afterwards said wow that's you know uh, i haven't thought about how i got there for a while mm-hmm. and um yeah so I just love hearing stories. So thanks for telling them. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Adam. Take care. Okay. Talk later. (laughs) Bye. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.